episode of Millennial in the Middle. I'm Connor DeLynn. Today we have a fun episode and what turned out to be a very insightful interview. So I hope you enjoy this. I'm going to introduce you to Hunter Saunders. Um, I actually got connected with Hunter Saunders just in the last couple months. Uh, he reached out to me on LinkedIn, of all things, and saw what was you know happening at Opt and the company we're building and uh, basically threw himself out there and said, I, I want to be a part of this. I want to jump in and talk through his skills and, you know, marketing and brand creation and in social media and content. And I was like, all right, come on in. And, uh, I was so impressed immediately with his ability to learn quickly, to work hard, and to have some new ways of thinking that were really, really refreshing. Uh, Hunter is 23 years old, and he is the personification of like all things Gen Z. I know I talk about Gen Z a lot, and as I've gotten to know him, I'm like, man, you are the living, walking you know, example of Gen Z. You know, he dropped out of college and just jumped right into the workforce, super smart, very passionate, and just excited to like get into the real world and find his own path. And as we put out a lot of content, uh, you know, if you followed me on social media, you've seen the, uh, the values series that we put out about 15, uh, reels on Instagram and TikTok, uh, about, you know, kind of how our values have evolved. And we've also done some things along the line of generational theory. He's been really instrumental in helping with that. And, uh, we said, you know what, we've had all these great conversations, uh, in in the office, let's do it in the podcast studio. So that's what we did today. I hope you enjoy this. Uh, I think you're going to find there's a depth to him and his answers that hopefully help you become a better parent, a better child, uh, you know, a better employee, I, whatever it might be. I think there are some things here that you really can take away. Enjoy. Hunter. I'm excited for this episode. <laughs> I'm pretty excited too. You know, we're going to take all these conversations that we've had of us just pontificating about the questions of the world. Pontificating, that's oh, a good yeah. word. Oh, we're coming right out of the okay, gates with sorry, a big Gen word. Sorry, Gen Z. Yeah, yeah, you're not invited. Hey, you can't be the first one to say Gen Z in this interview. That's my thing. Uh, all right. I'm excited to talk through this because like I said in the intro, you to me are the personification of Gen Z in so many ways. And in the last few months as I've gotten to know you, but more importantly, see the way you think, what matters to you. I feel like I've learned a lot and uh, I hope that we can share that with the listeners today and have a little fun along the way. So Hunter, thanks for being willing to do it. I'm excited. I really am. So <laughs> good. Well, uh, let's start with this. Just why don't you give people a little background of like your upbringing, where you're from, and you know you're you're 23 years old, right? Yeah. And so you know now you're working with me at Opt, and you're like all things marketing specialist. And uh, you know I I kind of resonated with the way that you reached out to me. It was mm. like, you saw an opportunity, you reached out, and uh, after some conversations, it was like, oh, we can make a spot for you, right? So give me a little bit about your background and what got you here. Yeah, um, I moved 15 times. I think that that is the biggest factor to who I am today. Wow. Um, I've lived in Mexico City. I've lived in Columbia, Maryland. We've lived uh, here in Utah. We've lived in Illinois. Uh a lot of different parts and that taught me how to adapt that taught me that like no matter what your situation is you can make the most out of it hmm. i think that's the biggest thing honestly that either makes or breaks somebody in society today yeah what that's really interesting that you say that had such a you know role in your development what do you think about moving around so much like what character traits did it instill in you that you think today well i can tell you what it didn't at first like i was horrible with long-term relationships <laughs> like bless my freaking wife because that chick has gone through a lot i i have like <laughs> You hear daddy issues and, like, mommy issues and stuff. Like, I had all types of issues, honestly. <laughs> it's freaking hard to, when you move every six months to a year to two years, Yeah, it's hard to realize who who do you invest your time in. Like, who's your real friends? Who are the people that actually love you and, and mm -hmm. want to be around you? 
I just tried to please everyone. Yeah. I was an entertainer. Uh, I was someone who, who changed according to who I was around. Yeah. And that, that bothered me. Yeah. Um, when I met my wife, she was as stuck in her ways <laughs> as anybody. And it, it made me see that I, I can be comfortable in who I am, that I can continue to grow and not change my values, not mm. change who I am, not change my morals. And I think that's what I learned from this. That's, that was the most impact. It was hard, yes, but it made it to where it's like, okay, well, now I have this, <laughs> this growth that has made me able to learn and to be adaptable and to honestly to, to see a lot of different people. I, I've been friends with every type of person mm -hmm. and yeah, I haven't had these deep relationships until recently. Yeah. Um, I, I can relate to that. I think, I think that's really cool. I mean, and, and you said that about an entertainer, like that's in my blood as well. And it's, it's really hard not to, you know, just always be in the mode of reading the room and being the person that, you know, people want you to be and finding what you like, what you care about, what's authentic to you. And then, you know, seeking out and honestly, you don't even really have to seek them out. Like people that are similar will be attracted to you. Yeah. And it's cool to see that kind of come to fruition in your life. So I want to come back to more of kind of the values and we'll discuss that in a bit, but yeah. tell me about, uh, like what hobbies and interests did you have that all of a sudden led you to, you're, you're kind of a jack of all trades. You're good at figuring <laughs> stuff out. Like tell us a little about that. Yeah. I, um, I pride myself in being like, I'm, I'm, I'm average at a lot of things, <laughs> but I'm not extremely talented in a specific thing. And that bothers me sometimes. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm my ability to learn new things. It, it is, <laughs> it's driven me into who I am today and to where I'm a jack of all trades. Um, I don't say that. I just say that I, I can learn and pick up stuff quickly. Yeah. And I remember it. And then I put some emotion behind it, whether it's frustration, whether it's, you know, whatever. And then it becomes a long-term memory. Yeah. Uh, that's something we, we heard at Silicon Slopes with Jim yeah. Quick is once you have information combined with emotion, that makes a long-term memory. And that's kind of, I, I didn't realize I was doing that until we went to Silicon Slopes, but, uh, yeah, that, that kind of impacted me. That kind of, that kind of directed me, um, and just a curiosity. I mean, that, that's been something that I've been really impressed with in the last couple of months working with you of all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I thought this is what you were good at, but you're good at that too. So, you know, all of a sudden when you're good at stuff, you're going to be asked to do things and, yeah. you know, being willing to step up and put yourself in the spotlight there. You, I mean, you've only been in the workforce for like two years. So yeah. like, what has that experience been like? I mean, this is a Gen Zer that has never experienced before he comes to opt working in an office. Yeah. Like he's like, this is so excited. Can I bring a plant <laughs> and put it on my desk? I'm like, sure, you can do whatever you want, right? I know. Where that's just, it's funny that I think we would take that so for granted. And here you were thinking this was cool that you got to get up in the morning, take a shower, get dressed and go to work. Work. Yeah. Yeah. It, no, it, I think it's, I think it's common among Gen Z. It's like my first office job, my first big boy job. Yeah. That's what Gen Z sees. It. It's like, they'll have these like temporary, these side hustles, these remote jobs, but it just doesn't feel like a job until you, until it's real. Like until you have a building or you have your own office and have the corner office, whatever <laughs> it may be, you're like, holy shiz, I made it. Like, this is yeah. what all the TV shows do. Like I grew up watching the office and I'm like, I'm Jim, I'm him. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, oh, the glamorous life yeah, I'm like, of I, being a paper salesman in yeah, Scranton, Pennsylvania. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so that, that kind of was like, it just, it, it fulfilled what my grandparents and parents have always said, you know, and, and it's kind of like an accomplishment that like, I've been validated. I, I've been given huh. a chance and that's because of you, you know, obviously, um, being able to take that chance. But, you know, I've worked my butt off in those two years. Yeah. You know, I, I, I went, you know, Dev Mountain while I was doing a tech job, while I was serving at PF Chang's for a year and a half. Yeah. Um, and I learned so many things along the way 
And I was like, I'm so freaking glad I didn't pay for this in college because now I'm getting a business degree from one of the best. And then, of course, our board members who are saying, hey, you need to do this for PR and, you know, our, you know, James and stuff like that. I and love, yeah, we have, a, we have a member of our board who's British and I love that you just started doing his exit. Yeah. We love you, James, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, and I just I came to the realization that there, there are jobs out there like being a doctor, being a lawyer. You need the information in that moment Mm -hmm. or else you will not make money. But think about a marketer or somebody who's in charge of operations, Mm -hmm. somebody who's in charge of strategy, growth, whatever. They learn as they go. Yeah. They don't need to know everything. They try stuff. They A-B test. If it works, great. If not, then they try a different thing. Yeah. Why could – I'm not getting that in college. And that's kind of why I chose to drop out. I wasn't having failures. I wasn't learning. I didn't have any emotion behind this information that I was getting. So nothing was relevant to me. Mm. Once I went into the workplace and I was getting paid to learn. That's how I saw it. Yeah. I went summer sales. I learned sales tactics. I learned nodding. I learned nonverbals, paraverbals. I learned how people are reading people. And I learned that I can do hard things. And the hard things suck. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really do. It's like, frick, I'm never doing that shiz again. Yeah. And then I learned the same thing when I got in that little pyramid scheme L- MLM. <laughs> you know, I'm like, choice, freedom, let's go. You know, and I was so excited. And then I realized the reason I was excited is because I wanted freedom. I wanted choice. And I learned and was being paid to learn. And so I've kind of shifted my mentality of like, I love education and I never want to stop learning. Mm -hmm. I read books on the daily, you know, trying to build my brain, trying to build who Mm -hmm. I am. But there comes a time where you just have to go out there and learn. Yeah. And why not just get paid to learn by learning Salesforce and getting paid to learn those stuff that you might learn in college or you might not. I think that's some really good insights. I think in what you just said right there, there's some concepts, some philosophies at the root of that. And I think, you know, you talked about, I think the old school way of higher education or college is like, hey, everyone, here's the playbook. Here's the textbook. It's yeah. the same textbook we've looked at forever. <laughs> it gets updated maybe once every five to 10 years. And and it's more of just like, hey, we're going to test you on if you know what we know. Yeah. But what you just explained right there, and I loved that you said that about no, like this new generation goes out and they will A, B test and find out what works and yeah. be willing to fail and try new things, realizing that there is no playbook yeah. that it's changing and evolving on the fly and the ability to adapt, the ability to learn is so important. And you know, when you talk specifically about higher education I, and like, I know you were there for a minute, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, did you feel there was a disconnect there? Yeah. I mean, I, I talked to my wife, she's, uh, going, attending at UVU, mm-hmm. um, a local college here in Utah. And she talks about there's this disconnect because we see the crazy stats you get on Monday night football that this guy had a 6.7 meter jump or whatever the stupid shiz that they come up with. And you're like, yeah, this is brought to you by IBM, you know, and it's like this technology that's crazy. Awesome. Where is that for schooling? Seriously, where are the next gen stats for schooling? Where are the next gen technology that is being implemented everywhere else, but in the school place. My li- my wife goes, pays seven thousand dollars, and then she gets to listen to some old guy talk about his <laughs> life and what he's learned, and that is not valuing her time. Seriously, that's seven thousand dollars. If you, I'm sure you can break it up. I'm not going to and embarrass myself in front of everyone, but uh, yeah. it just it made me realize how outdated this stuff is. And I know they're trying to make a change and I believe, and I, I, I already know when I'm a multimillionaire one day, yeah. I'm going to donate hugely because I want to change it. Yeah. I want to give it a better, better way. I want, you know, these teachers to get paid more. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, there's just that disconnect. 
in between, hey, the future's different. Let's teach you and lecture you about it. No, yeah. let's freaking show you. Let's go out there. <laughs> like, that's what they need to be doing, in my opinion. Yeah. Is that exposure, that immersion is what increases learning. Oh, man. There's so much that I can unwrap there. But I love as you talk through, like, I think we can all picture this person at the front of the room that is having a one-way conversation. Yeah. That's like, well, this is how it is, right? And make sure, you know, I have the power. I can do a pop quiz and make this at any time. What you explained there is more collaborative. It's more empowering and it's more exciting. Like it's more fun and engaged when that takes place that way. Now I want to, I've talked about you being kind of the personification of Gen Z (laughs) in a lot of ways. And I know when we talk a lot about this, like obviously we're making assumptions and we're being broad and general swoops through it, but that's okay. Right. Like let's do it. (laughs) So I want to like do a little grill session for you right here. I want to (laughs) hear Gen Z. How do you feel your generation views baby boomers? Like how do you think about boomers? Yeah. Um, I think there's, there's, I, I think a lot of us as Gen Z, including myself, we group it into two different types of boomers. There's, okay, go on. There is the ones that are kind of like woke. <laughs> <laughs> woke yeah. boomers, all right. Yeah, the ones that were kind of like on the back end of Woodstock, all that stuff is usually what happens. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're aware of the changes, and they just love their grandkids the way they are. Hmm. Um, I've been blessed to have two grandmas like that. That just love us the way we are. Um, she doesn't care. I, I dropped out of college. She just cares that I'm happy. Yeah. She doesn't care that I don't have, you know, I didn't have a stable job right out of, you know, being 23 when everybody else was graduating. She just cares that I got married to an amazing wife. Hmm. So there's that side of the boomers. And then there's those who just don't give a flip about anything. They're just there. It's the opposite of self-aware. They just, they know it's almost like they might know that they're so different, but it's like this stubbornness, this like, I will not change at all. I am who I am. And that's good sometimes. It really is. But it also <laughs> has its effects yeah. where you feel like your grandparents are cold. Um, mm. Yeah, that's what I see, that, honestly. That's interesting. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you just said, those yeah. two groups. Like, you definitely do see the people that are, you know, progressive, woke, whatever you want to call it. But, like, the people that are the, – the parents and grandparents that are cool and they want to learn and they want to be a part of that and want to empower them on the path that yeah. they're at. And then there's very much a mindset of, like, no, 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 no that's not the way. That's exactly. not how you do it. This is the rule book. Like, I don't – this is a fad. That's not going to happen. And, frankly – that's always happened in our society, right? Yeah. Like Elvis started gyrating his hips <laughs> and everyone's like, what is this rock and roll oh, devil yeah. music, right? <laughs> and, you know, that that's something that's so common for these older generations to look at a new trend or a new way of thinking and just be like, nope, Mm-mm. not it. <laughs> Why? Because that's not my experience yeah. and I'm not willing to relate and empathize. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I agree. I think... I think the core behind that, if we look at it, is that those grandparents that we see as awesome, that are cool, it's because they've never stopped learning. Hmm. They learn from their grandchildren and from their kids. Yeah. Um, versus those who are stubborn and say, I am the source of all knowledge and truth. Yeah. Um, and and, and that, that is just like a testament of why it's so important to never stop learning. Yeah. Well, I think with learning too, that's just communication, right? The importance yeah. of making sure communication Absolutely. is two way yeah, and it's not two people giving monologues simultaneously. Right. Uh, all right. So there's our boomer. We got to get through the speed round. Now I'm curious how you feel. Gen Z looks at Gen X, the forgotten, yeah. little, unidentified. Uh, honestly, un- like I think most Gen Z are unaware. There's a Gen-, <laughs> Gen X. They're like, wait, what? They're like, who? Okay. Because they honestly just assume that their parents are boomers. That's, that's Um, honestly, they don't see a separation. So I I think they oftentimes get a bad rap. Um, (laughs) they're the ones on TikTok that are like, you'll see a comment, like somebody come get their dad and the dad's like doing something super cringe or like dressing up as a girl and is doing like some TikTok dance. And you're like, 
bro, that is like, my dad makes me cringe every day. Like <laughs> he does these dancing videos, all this stuff. And he, it just is like, I love you. <laughs> I get it that you're trying, but stop. But stop. <laughs> yeah, no, literally. And so I'm like, and I think that kind of goes with Gen X is like, yeah, they, they want to try. They want to be there with their kids. Yeah. And that's powerful. I really do think that's going to pay dividends once we've matured. Yeah. <laughs> but right now we're just teenagers and, and 20 year olds who are, you know, here, how they were raised and how they had to walk to school and stuff like that. Same with the boomers. Um, yeah. And it's like, okay, well, we have different struggles. Ugh. And that's where the disconnect is. I love that. So well put. All right. Now we're going down the line. Yeah. Millennials. Oh, for this it. is me, that's right? You, man. I'm that millennial right yeah. in the middle. Let's turn uh, this into a roast uh, session. You know, no. <laughs> I will. You have the mic. Go ahead. Um, so here's the thing. What I see with, with like millennials um, is there's a very big similarity between Gen Z and, and millennials. Uh, they are more worried about when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, they're worried about the top level self actualization. Mm -hmm. But I think they talk <laughs> because they're older. They talk a lot more about like mental health and, and politics and more involved in that than Gen Z is. We just want to be like, what's the meme behind it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what's the stuff that's going to make me laugh? Listening, that's meme M E M E not the, the memeing of life. Yeah, no. <laughs> and so I think there's like a disconnect where I honestly feel like I'm looked down a lot of the times, like by millennials, like, Oh, you're so childish. Huh? Um, and ultimately it's like, yeah, maybe. But at the same time, I'm not dealing with the same exact things. I don't have Rugrats, except it's stupid. I mean, if, have you guys seen the new Rugrats? No. It's like this 3D horrible. Me and my wife look at each other and we're like, this is whack. <laughs> so it's just like there's things that have been like new and improved. And then there's things that millennials have. I almost think it's like an ownership thing. Like we have this. Millennials have this. And then Gen hmm. Z ha owns this type of yeah. stuff. And that's where the separation comes it's from. Interesting. No, I, I think through this is I've learned I've, and I've been kind of surprised that you and I are, you know, seven, eight years apart. Yeah. And I'm like, man, you really do think different. And especially your experience with technology and social mm -hmm. media, digital marketing, it's different than me just because of, you know, what I had access to in my coming of age years. Yeah. I know I've talked about this on the show before, but for me, like I didn't have Instagram in high school, yeah. right? Like I had Instagram in, you know, in the middle of college is when all of a sudden that was coming out for me. And I remember like early on in my, in my high school years getting Facebook, hmm. but it, it wasn't the constancy. It wasn't the, everything had to be perfect or how many followers you had. I like, yeah. that wasn't a part of my upbringing. And then all of a sudden to have this shift immediately to where like, the next group of classmen that were, you know, four years younger than me taking my spot at high school, all of a sudden social media was a piece of this. And now you add on top of that TikTok. like yeah. how much of an influence do you think that has played in your life and creates that difference between us being just seven, eight years apart? I mean, I think we're a lot more aware of people's feelings because of, because of technology and because of social media. Interesting. We, uh, we are now globally connected to teams around the world. Instantly, we can send a message or get on Omegle and say, what's up, whatever it may be. And we can instantly be connected to people around the world and see, hey, what's going on over there? Yeah. And it makes this thing where it's 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 no longer just America. You know, it's not it's yeah. not just the youth in America. It's the youth around the world. Hmm. And it's become this huge, huge body. That's just a common trend around the world, not just in America, um, which is very different. I yeah. really do think like that now we're all connected. Uh, we can kind of we have we've really added our numbers. Yeah, I, I love this. You said that I've talked about this this on the show of the ability to connect mm -hmm. is unparalleled. And there's no real such thing as borders anymore. I mean, yeah. if we were to compare that, I think I've said this on the show before, but if you were to take someone that, you know, was a baby boomer as a child, you know, a baby boomer, so a child in the 50s, 60s, whatever it might be, their circle of influence and the information that they would have access to was tied to their family, their neighbors, 
those that they would see in school and their teachers and then maybe what they heard on the radio or watched on the nightly news yeah. read in the newspaper and that was about it but now the amount of information that you can get access to which obviously has its pros and its cons but it does lead to this group of people in the information age that i think because there's more to conceptualize and break down and think through it puts more of the onus on these generations to figure out well what do i think yeah i know that i can find people that will say the exact opposite thing about almost any topic out there so what do i feel yeah yeah i i think that comes from a, a change in value um my parents say go to school Mm -hmm. My grandparents said, go to school. That was the plan. That was the playbook. That's because they were insured and said, if you go to school, you'll have a stable, solid job. You'll be able to buy a house within five years. You'll be able to get retirement and everything will be good. It's like that white picket fence sure. dream. That's, That's the not the American dream. dream anymore. No, it's not. Not at all. The dream is, is I have ownership. And I did this on my own, that this is my path that I have created for myself. And I think there's so much power in that. I, I mean, it, it's just like, and that's why we kind of built off to empower, Yeah. to say, yes, freaking do it, man. Yeah. Do it, bro. Like, yes, go out and get it. Yeah. And I, I love you just used the word path right there. And I think it's a recognition, too, that there is not the path, yeah. right? It's not just like, oh, here's the one way and this is the formula for success. So just plug yourself into it. That there, part of that success metric is feeling like you had some self-determination there. Yeah. That you had choice. That you had the ability to decide what mattered to you and what didn't. And then went out and lived your life in an authentic way because of what you came to. I, I think that that potentially... If that mindset can become commonplace, it'll lead to if you, just like people that are more evolved and open and understanding and hopefully better in the way you know that we yeah. feel about ourselves and then the way we connect with others. Is that what you see happening? Yeah, I mean, I love how you say that. Like we've evolved and we've become more real. Um, I think Gen Z has been gifted with what I call authenticity sniffers. Hmm. Um, and what I mean by that is they literally can tell who's being authentic and who isn't. Mm -hmm. Now, the way that connects is because you want to be authentic to your own brand. You want to be real. And people can see when you're, when you're being real and when you're not. But if you can build a business or a brand or whatever it may be um, around you, think of how much confidence. And then I, I go on to the other side, like, will that ruin people's confidence and i think it does and that's the danger hmm. of social media that's the danger of all of those things is that if it doesn't succeed then it's like you know yeah it's like i'm not good enough yeah and uh for all of you out there like i want to say like absolutely i i've felt like that so many times i mean i have so many things that i am uncomfortable in and not confident about but like i promise there there is a way yeah and there there always will be it's uh sometimes you just got to change paths yeah. you just got to have that courage and you got to have somebody in your life and uh to kind of encourage you or empower you to do that sure I love that. I want to talk more specifically about you. Um, I think you, in a lot of ways, present a good model to follow for your generation of go be obsessed with learning mm -hmm. and mastering a craft or honing in different skills that you enjoy, like seeing the results of producing that, right? Yeah. And then when you feel like you're at a place of just a little bit of competence, right? Yeah. Make a move. And surround yourself with people that can continue to help you on that path. And so I'm curious with that mindset, explain to me your thought process of like 
reaching out to me on LinkedIn and saying, Hey, I like what you're doing here. Like, this is cool. And you know, I didn't respond to you right away. Like there's, there's also a side to like, when I can see people are, are determined and they're going to hit me up several times. It's like, Oh, okay. This guy, this guy's serious. Like I'll give this an ear. What was your thought process that kind of led to that? I, I think one of the biggest lessons that my dad taught me, um, is to never be afraid to take that step to always have courage. I mean, he, he changed jobs a lot and I saw that as courageous, not as a loser, like some society would say, uh, he, I look up to him mm-hmm. because he was willing to say, I don't want to compromise my happiness mm-hmm. for this job. And that made me realize that like, if I, if I take that chance, if I put myself out there, I might get rejected. Yeah, it might suck for a sec. But I have so many other people to hit up. Mm-hmm. I have so many others. And that kind of comes from like that abundance mindset that we've yes. talked about before. Um, there's millions of users on LinkedIn. I know my skills and I believe in my, my way. So if this is meant to be, then it will happen. Um, and that's, that's what I've always believed in. That's what I'll always believe in mm-hmm. is that like, I know who I am now. I know I'm good at learning. And I think one of the biggest things that I didn't realize is you have to add value. Um, but the best way to figure out if you're adding value is for example, you're a visionary. You're able to say, I'm starting a business tomorrow. I'm starting a podcast right now in 2020. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to. But I've never, I've, I've looked up every single way to do it. I have all the processes. I could start a podcast right now if I wanted to. But I didn't have somebody to empower me or to say, do that. Yeah. And that's where the power comes from. That's where the value, because now I can say, this is how you do this. And that's where, you know, you fall short sometimes. It's like, okay, where it's the operation part of this. Sure. And if you can fit in, if you can either provide visionary, if you're one who starts, you know, companies at the age of 15 and, and has his own brand or whatever, you're, you're oftentimes like a visionary. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate Tyler, um, who's going to have me on, on one of his podcasts here soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, he talked about that. It's like, he just needed somebody to empower him just enough. So find yourself that person. Um, it's hard, (laughs) but when you put yourself out there and you'll know when you find them. I love that. A couple things I want to point out. One, be the person that empowers others, right? Yeah. Like there's an opportunity. You're in a role to empower others as well. And I think, you know, you mentioned abundance mentality. I think there's so much success to go around out there more than ever. Yeah. And so, you know, if you are concerned with helping other people win, you can't help but win yourself along the yeah. way, right? <laughs> And, and so I, you know, I wanted to just make that statement about be the one to empower and empowerer. Yeah. But then I love what you said about, to me, what I heard was overcoming fear because Hmm. our biggest fear that many of us have is failure, that we're going to lose, that it's not going to work out. Everyone's going to say we were crazy or dumb and that would just had no idea what we were doing. But when you said there's other options out there, if this doesn't work. And I think with the information that we have out there now, it kind of takes a little bit of the burden off that it's like, look, no decision you make (laughs) in your life is permanent. You know, like be willing to try stuff. If it doesn't work, great. What did you learn from that bit? And how can you roll that into the next hopeful win? And, And I think that's a really, really cool mentality of like, you're not necessarily picking your destiny for the next 25 years and let's just sure hope that you do it right yeah (laughs) like go make moves and see what happens and see where your individual path leads you yeah no i completely agree it's like you want to start a business you know and you don't know how to start you know one of our business you know our our board members talks about how you can literally go and sell a product without having a product. You could go and pitch an idea to businesses and say, would you buy this? Mm -hmm. Come up with a prototype, come up with the idea, have clear message. And you can literally say, Hey, would you buy this? Okay. Sign here, whatever it may be. Um, and you can formulate 
a business out yeah. of that. So it's like you can always choose to to do something right now. You really can. And it's like that empowering. Um, sometimes people just don't know what to do tactically. Mm-hmm. I know I struggle with that. Um, I have like a vision or but I just don't know what to do specifically. What what actions next? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where mentors come in. Mm-hmm. That's where Jason has come in in my life. Sure. Uh, Jason Peterson, he's awesome uh, business coach, board member, kind of our CTO right now yeah. <laughs> at Opt. Um, you just need to surround yourself. And, and the best way to find those people is honestly to to get out there, out in public and social events, at Silicon Slopes, at you know, and just introduce yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I just, I mentors, I can't say enough. I think about that's that. cool. And, you know, Jason's obviously a major mentor to me. One of the lines that he says often that has really resonated with me is he says a good entrepreneur. And I think you could say this for just a good person in life, like someone that's trying to go accomplish a dream or a passion. He said, a good entrepreneur has their head in their cloud. Excuse me. Let me say this again. A good entrepreneur has their head in the clouds mm-hmm. and both feet firmly on the ground at the same time. Hmm. And it's like, I, I remember thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, th- there's always that balance, right? Of being the visionary of thinking big of going out there, but also knowing like, what is the next step? Yeah. What can I do today to help me get closer to that vision? And, you know, again, I go back to this theme over and over again on the podcast of being in the middle, like so much about life is finding the balance. Yeah. If you live in the extremes of your head in the clouds always, but never actually do anything about it. We all know someone like that. They're the talkers, right? Yeah. And, but if you can never think, think big and all you're focused on is just what's right in front of you, then you're going to do that for years and years and years. And it, you know, life catches up to you and you go, that didn't happen. And so again, I think it's such a good place to find that balance and then go out and execute and make it happen and empower along the way. Yeah. Yeah. What, what does that balance look like to you? Because yeah. that's something that I struggle with, and I think we look to millennials. Gen Z look to millennials because they're trying to work, sure. figure out that balance. What does that look like to you? Yeah, I, I think it's a balance of – first off, it's belief, right? Like the head in the clouds thing I think is what you mentioned earlier yeah. of like we also know that you can succeed out there, yeah. right? Like you said earlier in this podcast, when I become a multimillionaire, it wasn't if, right? Yeah. It was like you know that that is – an opportunity that that's a potential out there. So I think like always having that belief of, Hey, this not only can happen, but it's going to happen. Like Mm. I can make that work right now. What necessarily it is or how that might look might change. That vision might change. But then the other piece is, uh, understanding, I think what's the next step. Mm. And so one thing that I had always said, you know, as I thought about my, you know, I, I said as a kid, I want to be a motivational speaker when I grew up, right? <laughs> like that was my vision. I want to be in front of all these people doing this. I don't even think I knew what a motivational speaker was at 12 years old, but that's what I said. <laughs> and to me, it was like, I have this fuzzy idea of where I'd like to eventually go, mm-hmm. but I can't stress myself and worry about the fact that I can't tell you the exact formula to get there. Hmm. I don't know what it is. So to me, to answer your question, how do you find the balance? Always feel like you know what the next step is. Hmm. If you don't feel like you know what your next step is, then you're lost, right? Right. You don't need to know the next three to four steps. What are you doing right now? And as you then go do that continually, the next step will appear. Mm-hmm. And and so I think that to me is where the balance comes from. You can have that general idea where you want to go and then be confident about the actions you're taking right now. Mm-hmm. Who or what for me and for fellow Gen Zers, how do you determine what the next step is? I know that's a hard, hard question. Who do we go to? Yeah. How do we find that? Really good question. I love, this is Hunter for you, right? This is, I'm like, this is my show, Hunter. <laughs> I ask the questions. Don't put me in the No, I love it. Like, that's what it is. All of a sudden, what you just showed there is what we talked about in this episode yeah. that you want to learn, right? And so, yeah. like, well, I'm, that's the thing. I'm, I'm being selfish as, as hell. Like, yeah. I, I'm just like, 
I'm a leech of knowledge. Like, I just want to grab, suck, and be like, peace out, bro. You know <laughs> what I mean? Might get picked off every once in a while, but yeah. hey, that's, it's worth it. So, so let's, okay, I, I, we had to take that side note <laughs> yeah. to, like, give you kudos for being willing to I, learn. I, I appreciate that. But how do you figure out what that next step is? Um, I, I think one of the phrases I've used quite a bit is trust your gut and put in the work. And mm. I think you can, if you feel unsettled with what you're doing right there, it just doesn't feel like it's clicking. Like it's probably not right. Okay. Like I think there's a sense of confidence that comes from when you are taking that right step right then. And if you feel, you know, we, yeah, we might not be positive that it's the right thing, but if you feel unsure or uncertain that what you're doing right now is a, at least good thing. Yeah then reevaluate, then think through it. Right. So trust your gut, mm -hmm. but then actually go and do it. Right. So, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, you said starting a podcast, I had the idea to start a podcast and that was a gut vibe. And like mm -hmm. the whole millennial in the middle concept, it was one of those that it was just like, was given to me almost like, Oh, this is it. And clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, stuck in the middle with you. Like, boom, it just clicked. Yeah. And, I could have sat and thought about, well, how am I going to do it? And, oh, what are people going to say? And all these different things. And a lot of people tell you when you start a podcast, you should have five to ten recorded before you release so you yeah. can put them out in a batch. I recorded one on a Sunday afternoon, and I released it that night. Hmm. Like I just – out of excitement out or there. just no, like – Well, I was just like, uh, let's see where this goes. So yeah. I, just, I just did it. And all of a sudden – the feedback that I then got in that first episode was like, oh, I'm onto something here. And guess what? That motivated me to go do episode two the next day, right? And then to start reaching out to some people that I could interview and be like, man, this has evolved so much over the last two and a half years, but that's life. And as people have asked me like, oh, are you going to change your podcast name? Are you going to rebrand? Because now you're kind of you're making it a little more broad and talking about different stuff. You started about with politics in 2020. And I'm like, no, that's my story. Yeah. Why would I be like, well, I'm in a different place now, so I need to erase what I did two years ago. <laughs> no, like that's life. We build, we, we figure it out along the way. And I couldn't tell you what this would look like two and a half years ago, but now like, all right, now this is kind of cool as I'm saying this, like we're sitting in a 7,000 square foot space yeah. that has been, that all of a sudden the dream came about to like create this for creators yeah. and thought leaders and subject matter experts to come in and build content that's going to help empower, that's going to help people learn. And like that started from a podcast recorded in my parents' house on a Sunday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, it, so to find the balance, just, just go for it. Trust your gut, put huh. in the work. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I'm just thinking of like when I wanted to start a podcast, Yeah. like I could go start buying like mm -hmm. that because I already know all the systems. Yeah. I know how I'm going to, how I'm going to, you know, distribute and everything. Yeah. I could have went and, and bought a microphone yeah. and a headset sure, and started recording right then and there. Yeah. That's what I, I could have done. Mm -hmm. And if I felt like, no, there's something I'm missing. I, I need to research something. Mm -hmm. um, how do you, how do you not talk yourself out of it though? Because fear oftentimes will get in the way, especially for Gen Z, like my, my brothers, you know, all that stuff. That's just like this fear, this, um, this where like, you just, you don't know and you're unsure and there's this fear talking and it's always like in the back of your mm -hmm. mind. How, how do you, how do you determine like whether or right, whether right or wrong? Uh, I love that question. Um, well, first off, I'll ask you this. I gave you a reading assignment when I hired you at Opt and I handed you a book. I wrote a note in it and I said, this changed my life more than anything else. I hope it helps you. What was that book? The Untethered Soul. Yeah, it was The Untethered Soul by Michael, Michael Singer. Singer. I've talked yep. about it a lot. Yeah. But to me, the reason I'd say that is that's when it clicked for me that we have these this internal voice, this neurotic inner roommate, nonstop going mm -hmm. on in our heads, Right. And there's a realization of one, it's there two, it's not me, hmm. right? Like the, uh, the fact that I can say I'm hearing those thoughts or I'm experiencing those emotions or I'm having these experiences shows that the thoughts aren't me. 
right? The thoughts is just this monkey mind that goes (laughs) all day long. And all we're trying to do is just be okay in there, right? So for me, if you can recognize that you can start to listen to that internal chatter, and then you realize that a lot of it, you don't need to pay attention to. Hmm. That a calm mind is your best mind. And so I, I think, you know, I, meditation has become a big part of my routine. And the, the main teaching about meditation that a lot of people say is just being able to recognize that you are having thoughts in there. And Interesting. from a seat of observation, not judgment, just going, hmm, there's a thought. I'm going to watch that come in and I'm going to let it go. And there are, I mean thousands of thoughts that go through our head a day that don't serve us at all. Yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that'd be my thought. That's, that's really powerful is like, you're always going to have that no matter what. Yeah. Just start freaking doing it. Yeah. And when something, you know, all because something goes wrong still doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing. It's more of like a lack of clarity. Yeah. From what I understand from what, what you're explaining, that's, that's where, you know, you can kind of determine. Yeah. Um, I'm taking the hot seat back. Okay. I'm asking I'll the final question. My bad. We're going to be bad. dead. No, I, <laughs> I love it. No, it, it was real, real conversations here. And I think, uh, you know, as the show evolves, we've talked about, um, you know, I want to start having like some panel conversations where yeah, we, that would be dope. we have people from younger generations and older generations. And, you know, I can be like that generational middleman, right? Yeah. The millennial <laughs> middleman, like bringing people together. That's really my goal with this. So awesome. I think this is a great uh, test of like, this isn't me just being an interview. These are two way conversations, yeah. people trying to create understanding. Let me ask you this in closing. We've talked a lot about Gen Z, mm-hmm. uh, and how they feel about everybody else. I'm curious, how do you feel Gen Z views themselves? And what do you think are the defining characteristics of your up and coming generation? Um, I do think we have a lot of pride, um, almost like we're, we're doing stuff better. Mm-hmm. And I think rightfully so. I mean, we have the best parents. You know, you see parents who are standing up for their kids. That would have never happen in the 30s. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you don't see that often. Um, you have the best trainers in the world, and you see these student athletes and these, these kid athletes, and you're like, holy frick, he could just dunk on me right now. And he's in seventh grade. They have the best trainers, the best people, and it shows a testament of, of evolving. And I think we are continuing to evolve. There's so much crap out there. There's people who are going to be like, bullshit. Okay, cool. Like, this is not a factual, you know, podcast. This is, we're talking about it in, in our personal experiences. The reason I say that is because you'll see that we have this sense of entitlement. Mm-hmm. But it's also this sense of pressure. We have more pressure than any other generation. We have expectations that can't be fulfilled and we're trying our best. Hmm. I'm trying my best. But we've been given a playbook that doesn't work for the result that people are expecting. Hmm. And that, that's, that's what makes it hard. That's what I've had to learn. The hard lesson that I've had to learn. Yeah is that we have to make our own playbook. But I have no doubt in my mind that being vulnerable, you know, valuing freedom and choice, individuality is going to benefit us. Yeah. When we're the leaders, when we're spiritual leaders or when we are the leaders for politics or for these companies, because we're going to understand and we're going to have those authenticity sniffers and figure out what's really happening. One of the things that I think we lack and Gen Z, like, seriously, listen, um, we, we lack self-discipline. We want to be instantly gratified because we can look up. I mean, the other day I was like, man, what's the name of that? And instead of thinking about it, because I know I could have, <laughs> I looked it up. Sure. We've Googled cut it. corners. Yeah, we Google it. We, we, we look it up on TikTok. Like it, it just, it's so easy to get instant gratification and that makes it so we don't have as much discipline. And I would say to every single one of the Gen Zers who's listening, 
that's what you can learn from your grandparents and your parents. Sure, they might not be as woke. <laughs> they might not be as aware. Um, they might not be as funny. They might be way cringe. But they grew up in a different time where stability and safety was their goal. And so discipline had to be implemented. That's what I learned from my, my grandpa who passed away. Um, and recently, we, we celebrated 10 years um, of him passing away and, mm -hmm. and miss him. Um, I mean, he, he left an entire life insurance policy that nobody knew about to my grandma because he was disciplined with his money. And the impact that that's had is like, I lack discipline and I recognize that. I need people around me and I need to learn how to do that. I think once we can learn how to do that, that's what's going to lock this generation. Yeah. It really will. Once you have that combination of vulnerability and, and, um, and like this really authentic generation that's just like, yeah, I am me. I'm who I am. Like, get over it. <laughs> but then being able to be disciplined and, and listen to the systems and, and all of these things that we can learn from our, our previous generations. Dude, that was a really thought-provoking and thoughtful answer. And uh, I, I appreciate your ability to go within and think through this and critically think and try to be better because I think that's at the core. Like, just trying to always be on the quest of self-improvement. And, you know, just to say as well, like, we are always, all of us, in the middle. Yeah. Like, we... We're never at a point where we can say we're at the end. We figured it out. Now we tell everyone else, no matter your age, no matter what your experience is or how many wins or successes you have on your resume, you're in the middle trying to figure it out. And that's what all of us are trying to do along the way. So let's listen to each other. Wow. Let's try to connect and let's do all we can to understand each other. And as we do, I think we'll all be a lot happier and okay in there. Wow. Our internal voice won't be one that drags us down. It'll be one that's like, I got this. And you know what? People are awesome. Life is awesome. I'm excited for this day. Uh, so powerful. Yeah. I loved this interview. This was, uh, it didn't necessarily go as I expected. And those are always the best episodes. <laughs> so uh, thanks so much for being willing to join the show. I'm sure we're going to have you back because uh, I told Hunter that his job is to stay six steps ahead of me at all times. Yes, sir. And most times he's about eight steps ahead of me. And uh, that's just <laughs> the way I want it. So uh, you use the word cringe quite a bit today, yeah. Hunter. Yeah. Uh, would it be cringe at the end of an episode to sing a song? Is that pretty cringe? Um, yeah, but we'll... Oh, okay. Yeah. I've, done it You're I've done it 93 times now, so yeah. I'm not stopping the cringe now. Okay. Yeah, just go with it then. Clowns to the left me. Joke is to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. You're the man. Hey, thanks, brother. Let's go to the office. Sounds like enough. Thanks, everybody. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I am.